1: Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, episode number 1530. And today we are starting our coverage of Solo A Star Wars Story, the expanded edition. That's the name for the novelization. We have another expanded edition novel, just like we got with The Last Jedi. And we can expect to learn a lot more about what's going on in and around the events of Solo A Star Wars Story as depicted in theaters. And, you know, interestingly enough, it's kind of funny to read it as the quote-unquote expanded edition because thinking back to the novelization for Rogue One and for The Force Awakens, obviously those two were not called expanded editions, but that's essentially what they were. I mean, we got more information from those two novels than we actually got in the movies themselves, so... You know, it's an interesting way of framing the whole thing. Maybe it's a little bit of a marketing gimmick, but hey, why not? You know, give it some additional oomph, right? Give it a little bit more cachet for why, (laughs) excuse me, why you might want to be picking this up. Anyway, so... Here's how we're going to approach this. The novel has been out for about a week, so you got a spoiler warning here, which is that, hey, if you haven't read it yet, don't want some of these details spoiled for you, then, you know, save this episode for a later date. Thank you so much for joining me for it in the first place. Thank you for subscribing if you are getting it delivered to you by whatever service you happen to be catching this episode on. And we're going to go through the novel and pick out some of the most important elements that will enhance your viewing of Solo A Star Wars Story when it comes out. On home video. Is that how I mean, you know, it's not video because that's anymore when it comes out on streaming services on Friday the 14th and on DVD and Blu-ray on September 25th. So we're gonna start by talking about the introductory segment of the movie, which is Han and Kira on Corellia and the new and interesting things we learn from the novelization about that. Now Honestly, there's a lot of new stuff and, you know, you could really spend a lot more time on episodes saying, oh, well, what about this detail and this detail and that detail and the other detail? But I'm going to pull out ones that I think might be uh, particularly interesting. First of all, if you are a fan of the vehicles in this joint, then I will tell you that, the speeder that moloch is driving is referred to as a truck speeder which is a phrase that i have never heard in any star wars reference before and if you've heard it before then by all means drop me a line wherever you're catching this episode and let me know where else you've seen a reference to a truck speeder but i thought that was a new and different way of phrasing something i think it's you know perfectly apt for that gigantic speeder it's not so much of a land speeder it needs something with a little more uh you know a little more heft to its classification so there you go that's a truck speeder and when we were talking about the infiltrator which is the name of the imperial fighter that han is flying in when he's in the academy and we talked about the fact that there had only been one reference to a ship called an infiltrator and that was the sith infiltrator the scimitar which was darth maul's ship in the phantom menace but It turns out that the Infiltrator is actually the name for a ship that we have seen already. It's also referred to as the TIE Brute, or the Heavy TIE Fighter. And that is the same TIE Fighter that we saw, the unique one that we saw when Han and Lando and company were in the midst of the Kessel Run, trying to escape from Kessel and also having to escape from the Imperials investigating. Now, speaking of Han being in the Academy, we get another scene related to the Academy, and this is different from the one that we talked about on a previous episode, the excerpt about him getting called on the carpet about his unorthodox flying maneuvers and breaking ranks from a formation and all that fun stuff. There's a discussion about him that happens between a couple of Imperial officers, and one of them is going, you know, why haven't we drummed this guy out, in the first place, you know, we've kicked people out of the academy for doing worse than what he's done and basically, you know, the report on him is that he has reaction times better than anybody else does and he has innovative problem-solving skills that nobody else has ever seen in the Imperial Navy. Now, That's not necessarily a benefit as far as the higher-ups are concerned. Their take on it is they'd rather have a hundred officers who just follow orders without thinking about it than one maverick. They're like, you know, there's no room for rebels in the Empire. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. So, they're gonna give him one more shot, which then leads to the situation where he's an onyx squadron and he breaks formation and manages to save one of his wingmates but the fact that he broke formation and put everybody else at risk is the thing that finally gets him drummed out of the naval academy and speaking of imperial officers as we were well the imperial officer falthina sharest shows up in this and falthina is the woman who's behind the glass negotiating with Han and Kira over the coaxium and whether it can be used to get them through the security gates. So there's a bit of additional biographical information about her in the Solo A Star Wars Story official guide that was penned by Pablo Hidalgo and released by DK Publishing. And some of that biography is actually expounded upon by Murr Lafferty, in the novelization so you get to know a little bit more about how overworked she is and how she is accepting presents that will make up for all the time that she should be getting paid for by the Imperials but is not getting paid for she doesn't think of them as bribes she thinks of them as presents and so unfortunately with the you know with the commotion that happens when Moloch and his people catch up with Kira you know her decision. You know is essentially a face-saving decision on her part because she can't let it be seen. You know with a, this commotion at the security gate, anybody else coming over to investigate what's going on, trying to let Kira go through because then they might find that coaxium that she's trying to stash. So she has to distract everybody else by creating the security commotion. So it's actually a little bit of a shame. It's not that she's just being a jerk per se. She is actually just trying to cover her own backside in this. And there's a very quick calculation that she does to figure out what the optimal outcome is for her while still being able to keep the coaxium and feather her nest egg to do exactly what Han and Kira want to do, which is get off of Corellia once and for all. So that's four top takeaways so far, roughly grouped, and I've got three more for you relating to Han and Kira, and also the White Worms organization too, so we'll talk about those after the break, and a quick word about our fine friends at Nissan, stay tuned. Hey Rebel Rouser. Have you ever wanted to take a land speeder for a spin, or maybe even the Millennium Falcon itself? Well, here's the next best thing, you can make your own custom Solo A Star Wars Story-inspired Nissan with the Best in Galaxy customizer. Just go to SW7X7.com custom to customize and share your own Star Wars-inspired vehicle. And don't forget, Solo A Star Wars Story is coming home on digital September 14th, Blu-ray September 25th, and new on 4K Ultra HD as well. Welcome back. All right, so here is a fifth top takeaway. As Moloch is trying to find Kira and Han, he's considering how things could go back in the white worm lair and that Lady Proxima might actually kill everyone who bore witness to what went down when Han threw his thermal detonator because she could not be seen as being weak and obviously that was a situation where Han got the best of her and she got totally burned by all the sunlight and whatnot and Moloch is seeing this as a Possible way for him to get into the leadership position of the White Worms to actually make a move and get rid of Lady Proxima. So there's a little political intrigue that is developed as a result of this thing. When you know, we'll have to look later in the novel to see if anything comes of that. And then the sixth thing I want to share with you is the actual details of what went down with Han and how he got the coaxium in the first place. So he was supposed to sell seven vials of coaxium to this guy named Kilmo and his gang. And when he showed up at the meet, he actually only produced five of the seven vials. And apparently Kilmo was already hip to that jive because he said, hey, the deal was for seven. And he was like, oh, wait, 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 wait. And started fishing around in his pockets and it was like, Oh, you know, here's here's one more. I found the other one. And it's six. And so they're like, no, it's seven. It's supposed to be seven. And he said, well, you know, you could always pay a lower rate for a fewer number of vials, you know. And so he tries to negotiate them down on the money. But they obviously think that this is not what they wanted. And it's just Han with a whole bunch of other gangsters that are there. So they can just beat him up and take the things from him and not spend a dime. And so that's how things go down. But apparently the plan was for Han all along to steal at least one and possibly two of the vials of coaxium. He had that plan going into the meeting in the first place. And the last thing I'm going to share with you is that this particular attempt was as close as they ever got to the both of them getting away. There apparently were other times, it's very gently alluded to that there may have been other times that they tried to escape, but clearly it couldn't have been a situation where they were caught escaping because... You know, nothing bad has happened to them, at least up until this point. But as they are trying to escape this time, there's one element of the getaway that we did not see in the movie, and that was after they crashed that speeder, after they jammed it in between the walls there, and before they got to the Corellian spaceport, and that was that they had to lose Moloch and Rebolt and the hounds, the Corellian hounds, and Kira's bright idea was to do that by going through a fish market on the way to the shipyard and to the uh, spaceport excuse me and crazily enough they actually climbed into a giant barrel of eels in briny water and hid in one of these giant barrels using that horribly disgusting smelly water to throw the Corellian hounds off their scent and so that is how they were able to make it there as quick as possible however of course that meant that they had to go to the spaceport and try to get themselves dried off or at least you know (laughs) have most of the moisture off of them before they try to get through the security gates and so it's you know that extra bit of time that allowed Moloch to get to the spaceport himself and start looking around for Khan and Kira and that's how everything went so badly. And that right there is going to do it for our seven, yeah, there were seven top takeaways from that opening, that opening shot of Solo A Star Wars Story. Not just one shot, obviously, just that whole opening sequence. I guess you could say, and we'll talk more about other secrets revealed by the novelization in upcoming episodes, so if you're not subscribing for that, then by all means, please do join me for that, I would greatly appreciate it, wherever you like, you can find the podcast just about everywhere you want to catch it, whether it's YouTube or Facebook for video, whether it's iTunes or Google or Overcast or Spotify or SoundCloud for audio, you name it, you can probably find Star or 7x7 there and hey if you are enjoying it too then by all means please do consider putting a tip in the metaphorical tip jar and support me at patreon.com sw7x7 that's patreo dot sw7x7 for now though it just remains for me to say thank you so much for watching or listening to this episode wherever you happen to be catching it and may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be
0: This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2018 Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer.